You're listening to Bizarre Buffet, a podcast of all-you-can-eat weird. I'm your host, Mark Toriello. I'm Jen Wilson. And I'm Mark Blusine. There'll be food and drink and ghosts. And perhaps even a few murders. You're all invited. When we first went in, one of the people said, Who are you? And Tex said, I'm the devil and I'm here to do the devil's business. So, um, I took a trip. Where did you go? I went back to 1984. Oh my God. What did you find there? I found Jason Voorhees. Ooh. And thank you for the leg warmers. And the leg warmers. Of course. From the 1984 you, gift shop. Yeah, oh. of course. And the headbands too to go with uh, it. Oh, yeah. Stunning. Oh my God. Well, what a good Where time. Where have you two been? A neon set. Um, well, I've been in a really fun thing. It's called Scientology. Oh I, my God. Yeah, oh, L. Ron Hubbard. I know. I, you tried to convert me last week. I did. Wait, weren't you expelled? Oh my God. Well, listen, I ran out of money. <laughs> Big surprise. And they told me I had to go home until I had more. Well, I was going to, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like I was a little hesitant to come over tonight because I like really thought that you were going to try to convert me. Well, I mean, you're here now and I am. It's <laughs> Fine. It's fine though. <laughs> and if you didn't know, you're listening to what episode is this? This is episode 17 of Bizarre Buffet. Oh. oh. And that's Jen Wilson. And I'm Mark Bluestein. And I'm Mark Toriello. Just kidding. Just kidding. I'm Mark Toriello. And I'm Gonk. And oh my God, Gonk's here too. Our dog is here. He is by our feet. He is. Sleeping. He's he tried being... to eat through the wire earlier. He did. Mm-hmm. Tried to cut off our message to all of you. And now we can't bring you into our cult. <sighs> what a shame. Well, all we all moved. We, we did. did. We all we, moved. We all did. And I think that's where we left off last. Like, um, Jen was moving. I was moving. And Mark was moving. I mean, all of us together, but separately. You know, it's a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so congratulations to all of us. That's because right. moving is a nightmare, especially during a pandemic. Absolutely. It is. it is. We survived. We did survive. The great move of mm-hmm. 2020. The great I always say you don't realize how much shit you have until you have to move it all. Oh, my God. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. I mean, like, you know, we came from a one bedroom apartment and you had a one bedroom. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you moving with your partner and us like we really thought between the two of us, we knew what we had. And then we really didn't. We both have two bedrooms, so we've made it. Yeah, we've made it. We have made it in the world. Two bedroom couples, and we're doing it. We're doing it up royal. We're doing it up royal, as Eileen would say. And uh, other good news, as we all know, uh, Biden won presidency. We were celebrating beforehand. Joseph Biden, we're so happy. Joe, I hope you're listening. Hi, Joe. There's a picture of him when he was younger. He was cute. He's really he really was a handsome guy when he was younger. Got it. Oh, well, yeah, I guess it's fine. I'm better. <laughs> Will you just I shut just up, man? Shut your fucking mouth. God <laughs> damn it. So, Mark, um, since you planned out today's topic, mm. what is the topic? Okay. And should we do a question beforehand? I mean, I think we should. So, I guess the question could be, um, you guys ready? One. This mm-hmm. is real time. 
I do remember yours, but I also have another one. Okay, we'll do. Okay, so here's going to be my first little um, expose piece. I'm Diane Sawyer now. Um, or Connie Chung. Yeah, or Maury, a combination. Um, but, okay, when you hear a crazy story about someone who is involved in, like, a horrendous crime, if you see footage of them and whether it be a documentary or interview, and you see that they're like a little crazy, are you more inclined to believe that they are a killer? Like if that's the context, like, or that they did something that's like really terrible because they're a little off? I think so. I mean, I feel like when I've seen documentaries, a lot of times it's like, they seem like normal human beings. Mm. Like for example, like Ted Bundy, like, he was so, like, if you see him in, like, videos or documentaries, like, he just had this, like, charisma about him. But, like, you knew he was, like... He was off. He was off. I totally agree. I totally agree. And, I mean, Mark, do you... What is your perspective on that? Like, are you more inclined to believe that somebody may be guilty if they seem, like, a little out there? No, because if that were the case, I would be accused of every single murder. Well, let me tell you, (laughs) if you ever were involved in something, even if you were innocent, you probably would be. Well, like, I mean, not to make this about me, but, you know, I will. Here we go. When I was in elementary school, I had like Marilyn Manson on my notebooks and everything. And this was shortly after Columbine. Was this your Catholic school days? My Catholic school days at St. Michael's in Union, New Jersey. It's an awful place. Shout out to the Catholics. Woo! Hey, nuns. <laughs> if you're still you, there, Margaret. If you're still there. <laughs> but um, so basically, like, they thought that I was going to bring a gun to school because mm-hmm. I had, like, Marilyn Manson and Freddy Krueger on my notebooks. And, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't own a gun. Well, I wouldn't I mean, use a gun. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, now that can kind of be uh, a good segue mm-hmm. into who we're talking about. So we're talking about the murder of Lana Clarkson, but specifically involving famed music producer Phil Spector. Um, Now, going to this story and what our beginning topic was, is that, you know, Phil Spector was that person who was very much out there, right? And he would show up uh, to court um, during the trial of this, you know, alleged murder, in various wigs and then he would do interviews and he would do all sorts of crazy things in the meantime before anything would take place like you know a verdict of guilty or not guilty so well he was very eccentric yeah something else i've learned from just like serial killers documentaries television shows it's like it's like their moment of fame. It's their time to shine. It's something that they've always wanted. Yeah, like any extra form of attention. Kind of like Luca Magnata. Oh, yeah. Our boy. Hey, Luca. Oh, hey, Luca. <laughs> Hope you're doing good. Don't kill any cats in prison. Please don't. Yeah. We Our, want a season two. That's right. We're looking for a season two, but God. But tell us more about... Um, our, wait, why am I having a brain fart? About our boy, Phil Spector. Yeah, t- oh, tell us more about Phil Spector. Okay, so Phil Spector started out um, 
I mean, I'm not going to give you the chronology of his life as a child because that's boring. But uh, Phil Spector, as he would be known, was a famous music producer in the 60s. Um, he produced a lot of music that probably people like Jen and Mark and myself are in our age range. Um, like our moms probably listen to it in the car on like the oldie station. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, yeah. And so with that being said, like I'll give you a little clip just so our listeners can understand uh, kind of what he did and what he produced and why he became famous. Please don't sue us. Yes. Phil, property well, and Phil Spector no, written I'm by better. someone. All right. So this is something that was produced by Phil Spector Records. All rights reserved, bitches. We're not stealing anything. Here we go. So there you go. That's what Phil Spector did. (laughs) (laughs) I do actually remember that song. Yeah, of course. It's been in every Julianne Moore movie. Oh my God, yes. Every laundromat. Every laundromat. I mean, any elevator probably. Like, you know the song if you've heard it. That was uh, The Ronettes. Baby, I love you, right? That's right. <laughs> See, you know it. You even know the title, and you didn't even know you knew the song before. Well, it came because on. they just repeated over and over again. Oh, well, that's a good point. Song. Uh, that's a good point. Well, that is the sound. Um, so that was, you know, he became famous for doing something called the Wall of Sound, which was essentially really loud music, kind of commercial. Um, but he was the first person to do that. When they say really loud, do they just mean like the volume or because whenever I list, like listen to his music, um, the few times that I've listened to it, mm-hmm. it just sounds like everyone is performing and singing at the same exact time, full and, force. And, and that, that's yeah. it. And yeah. a lot of like, I feel like a lot of the songs that he produced, like for example, this one in particular, it's very like, just like the, the percussion and I guess like, the guitar it sounds like really loud like i feel like that's more of the show like that's more of the highlight than the actual like singers that that's such a that's a very good point Chen, and that's exactly it so for phil specter i think one of the elements to the music was that they were all like session musicians so everything was recorded live um mm. so like mark was to bring back to your point mm-hmm. like you know all of you know the drums the guitar like everybody was there it was recorded live it wasn't you know spliced together in you know separate sequences or anything so right. you basically needed to do it all in one take yes that's and what that's he wanted it. yeah and, God, i could only imagine how many takes they would take too oh yeah oh yeah i mean there's like a history i mean it's been documented that they would be there for like days and you know he would torture everybody and until he got it right until everybody got it right sounds like stanley kubrick yeah Mm -hmm. he was was very much Mm -hmm. like a kubrick of the music industry i guess you could say baby i love you baby i love you (laughs) christmas Oh. Falling down. Oh, that's the Phil. That, that's Phil Spector. Is that what they say? Yes. <laughs> I never. I just know Christmas. Christmas. The snow falling down. Christmas. Baby, please come home. Baby, come home on Christmas. But All rights reserved Christmas by Phil Spector also. Records. I don't celebrate Christmas because I work in retail. (laughs) So here we go. Crazy Wig Phil Spector. 
Is that really what you wrote in your <laughs> no, notes? No, it's not in my notes. <laughs> All right, so he was arrested on February 3rd, 2005, um, when the authorities went to his house and actress Lana Clarkson was found unresponsive with a bullet wound to her head. I know, I know. Um, so Phil was freed on like a million dollars bail, uh-huh. right? But this whole situation was really crazy. So the woman who he murdered, he met at the House of Blues one night in L.A. And in the meantime, he had been going to like many different places that evening. So he had went to one place with a friend who he picked up and then they sent her home and then another place and another place until eventually, you know, I mean, God, and he was old too. Like who would have like this energy? So he was bar hopping. Yeah, he was bar hopping is what the kids would say, right? So, you know, the night that he killed Lana Clarkson or allegedly, or I don't know, is it alleged if he's in prison for it? I mean, that's to be determined. (laughs) I guess it depends on what you believe. Um, but Lana worked at the House of Blues and that was like, you know, the last stop of the night. Do you know what she did there? Was she like a... She was a hostess hostess. of a room of like Mm -hmm. the VIP room. She was like, I guess, the greeter or, Mm -hmm. you know, maitre d', is that a thing? Yeah. But in the meantime, she was an actress, right? Yes. She had like these small, like these small time roles and... Yeah, she was an actress who kind of like, I guess, you know, you would say like, I don't know. B- Just aspirational. Probably Aspirate. like a B, like a B yeah. list. Yeah, B F G E I N T Z actress. You know, so <laughs> like if she were still alive, we would probably be able to get her on the show. Absolutely. So Lana was the maitre d. You know, of like this room that he was in, and he ended up, you know, being like, "Hey, do you want to come with me?" And I think at first she was kind of like, no, no. But then she was like, I kind of need a ride. So she agreed um, to go with Phil Spector in his chauffeured car. And, you know, they gave her a ride. And he was like, oh, well, you know, we're going to stop by my house. And I think it was alleged that she said, oh, like she wanted to see his castle. Now, he referred to his home as a castle. Um, I mean, it was a quirk, but also it kind of looked like a mini weird medieval time cap castle. I was going to say capsule. So she went in and from that point on, no one knows what happened because after she goes into the home, the next that anyone knows of Lana Clarkson or the status of anything um, was when she was found dead in the foyer of the home in a chair slumped over with a gunshot wound. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. I mean, how cool is that, right? It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. On with the show. So from this point, um, you know, Phil Spector had gone out after, you know, the death when it had occurred. And now it's on record that his chauffeur said that my boss, Phil Spector, came out and said, oh, my God, I think I killed someone. 
Now, his chauffeur was, I believe, maybe from Brazil, um, somewhere else, and he had a pretty heavy accent. So this and is kind English of, was a second language. Yes. So there could also be a language boundary. Exactly. Like miscommunication. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, but that statement will be a very big part of everything that happened from that point on. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> the prosecutors presented evidence um, saying that, you know, Spectre had a history with pulling guns on people. And we're going to insert another clip here for you to hear. And we'll give you an example. Ready? Ready. All right. So the audio you're about to hear now is from the biography channel and it's about the Phil Spector biography. And here's something, you know, pretty much they used against him because it was common knowledge. So Phil pulled out a gun in the studio and shot a bullet at the ceiling. And Lenny made the famous comment like, look, Phil, shoot me if you want to. But, you know, watch out for my hearing because the shot was so loud that you know, it hurt Lennon's ears. So, yeah, that was from Biography, and that was about a recording session that Phil Spector had with John Lennon and how essentially Phil got really angry and disgruntled and nothing was going his way, um, and he was an avid gun collector. And that was them saying John Lennon said pull the gun? Um, yeah, John Lennon said, you know, uh, to Phil... That, oh, you know, if you're going to pull out a gun, you know, shoot me, but, like, don't wreck my hearing. <laughs> I just picture John Lennon in his little accent. I know, right? Why don't you pull a gun on me? <laughs> don't ruin my hearing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was spot on. You know, I try. That was good. So, yeah, um, you know, after this incident, you know, Phil already had a history of issues with guns. He was an avid gun collector. Um, now, mind you, story is weird, I mean, for many reasons, but when they went into the house um, and they did, you know, they're investigating, uh, you know, they did all the typical, you know, spatter analysis and, you know, whatever the technical things are. And a lot of things didn't make sense as to why, like, he would have been the one to have killed her. Mm-hmm. So they were alleging that he had put the gun in her mouth, shot her because, you know, she wanted to leave and he didn't want her to leave. And there was a history of him holding women up with a gun, which we'll get to a little bit later. Um, but he has had so many incidents with guns. So for them, it was kind of easy to be like, oh, well, he did it. Call it a day. And he's crazy. And he wears wigs. He's a man who wears wigs. He's crazy. And he is an eccentric personality. Exactly. He rambles a lot. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, a great recipe for, you know, a typical witch hunt. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, part of what's interesting about this story is that throughout time, you know, it's a very common theme that whether somebody is guilty or not, if it makes someone's job easier and they're like, you seem like you would do it. So we're going to say that you did it. Mm, Right. And it was also compared to the OJ trial and a, and many others. And, you know, I guess the word on the street was, well, we can't let another rich, famous person get away. And he kind of fell in and they were like, we can't let this guy go. 
Like it looks too much like it. So this was after OJ. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But the gunshot wound, the way it was positioned, um, you know, he didn't have any uh, like corresponding blood spatter on his jacket. He was wearing a white jacket. Mm -hmm. Did not match up. So I guess there was a lot with the blood splatter just because he was wearing a white jacket. And when they did different tests and trial runs, like with how it could have happened, like the jacket would have been soaked in blood and brain matter. And instead it wasn't. So also like just with the amount of blood that was like on the wall behind her head and on the chair. So, I mean, like scientific evidence would ultimately prove that, you know, he didn't really do it. So like, are you trying to say that like it was framed well, it, it or something happened and well, he tried to make it look like. Well, I know Mark knows more about this than I do. Mm-hmm. I just know like small like, like bits and bits. pieces. But um, I know that the the one of the theories is that he was showing her his collection of guns when he brought her home to the castle. Mm-hmm. And she was probably like, "Ooh, you have guns. It's hot. I want to see it. Yeah. So being all like tantalized and flustered, she probably like was looking at his gun collection. And I'm sure there were drugs and alcohol involved. Well, and that's the thing, right? Because she had a history, like, and I say history with drug use, but they, the autopsy report showed that she only had like, I don't know, the equivalent of a painkiller, like a Percocet or Vicodin and maybe a drink. Um, Phil Spector was a recovering alcoholic and apparently he was drinking again. But, I mean, the story, according to Phil Spector, I guess, and his people. um, So Phil Spector kept a gun in, like, this dresser drawer that was in between the chair in the foyer. Mm -hmm. And apparently, I mean, as it said, is that he came out um, because she had said, oh, like, guns turn me on or something like that. And I guess when he came out of the bathroom or wherever he was... Um, She had the gun and she was just being kind of like, you know, I guess like an actress, you know, kind of being like, oh, like, oh, sexy movie. And he responded, no, don't do that. And she accidentally got flustered and killed herself now, which can sound kind of crazy. Um, And that is a portrayal in um, somebody who Jen might know, a David Mamet film called Phil Spector. Of course I do. I know you would, of course. I know. Actually, funny story. (laughs) Tell us. My mom had a conversation with David Mamet and didn't even know. And I'm sitting there like with my mouth dropped. (laughs) That's awesome. She had a whole like conversation after a show, a Mamet show that we saw. You're like, Mom, do you know who that was? Did you know who that was? She was like, no. I was like, that was David Mavitt. She's like, so? No. She was like, good. Glad I didn't say anything bad. Yeah. Like, wow, this really sucked. <laughs> well, a lot of David Mavitt's fans, I mean, people in general have a have an issue with this film. I thought it was great. Mark enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, Al Pacino played Phil Spector. Of course he did. He did a wonderful job. He did. They both wear wigs, so I felt like it was appropriate. You know? But um, he was wonderful. Um, what Helen Mirren played his uh, one of his defense attorneys, mm-hmm. right? Helen Mirren. The thing out. with Mamet is he is as our favorite line is an acquired taste. Yes, an acquired taste. That is our favorite he, line here. He <laughs> is a very acquired taste. So I can see why 
some people would not like his work. Yeah, and a lot of people felt like he was being complimentary towards Phil Spector. So basically, the film seemed to depict the depict rather that Mamet was taking the stance of like I think he's innocent. Now, I mean, I could see how it could be perceived because they definitely did emphasize all of the things that, you know, were complimentary to Phil Spector. But at the same time, I appreciate the stance because it seemed like no one was Mm -hmm. looking for anything that was complimentary towards him. Mm -hmm. And even going to the trial. um, So during the Phil Spector trial, they allowed testimony from women that Phil Spector had dated in the past. Um, and for the sole purpose of telling the story of how they encountered some sort of incident, uh, of gun violence involving him now under like, I I don't know if I would say normal circumstances, but a lot of times they don't allow information like that into court because they say it creates prejudice. So if anyone listening has watched the staircase with the guy, with the woman, with the stairs and the I owl. Actually, fun, fun, fun fact about that. I, every time I try to watch it, I fall asleep. Oh, my God. So it's really good. Maybe very it's, relaxing. It is. It is very relaxing. And maybe the, this is like a sign that I have to sit down and watch it. You know, it could be. I think you would enjoy it, though, honestly. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like if you watch it and you get through like an episode, I think you'll stay awake for the rest. But. Um, so very much like with that case, there was an instance where, I mean, now odd coincidence, but this guy in the staircase had another woman in his life who also died at the bottom of a staircase. Yes. Weird would raise a flag for anybody. Um, but technically speaking, uh, in most courts, they won't allow things like that into the current Mm -hmm. trial because, you know creates prejudice for the person on trial. Um, but with Phil Spector, they did the same thing. So they allowed people who he had dated or, I don't know, had sex with or, you know, just an array of people from his past. And they all, you know, gave their recounts of, you know, what he did at a certain point. Like, you know, he held me at, you know, at gunpoint and told me I had to stay. He didn't want me to leave, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which very well, you know, could have happened. Um, but he never shot any of them. No, but he never shot any of them. And uh, I believe even, you know, his ex-wife, Ronnie Spector, who was, you know, the singer of the clip that we played earlier. <laughs> the Ronettes. Yeah, the Ronettes. Coming at you is the Ronettes. I feel like that's like a 50s voice, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but all right. So we were talking about uh, people accusing him. Right. And people that were let into the trial. So I'm going to play a clip from you. Now, this clip is directly from Phil Spector's house. I know he invited oh, us into his M-G. home. I know. Jen, find the wigs. Jen, find the wigs. OK, I'm going. I'm going. Okay. I'm Mark. Mark, are you here? I'm scared that he's going to pull a gun. I'm just gonna... <laughs> All right. So this is a clip that was released. Here it is. And he was on trial at this point in time. I'm on a date with you. Pulled a gun, pointed it at your head. That's and he's speaking about pulling a gun on someone. You don't call the police. And if you do call the police, they don't arrest you, arrest him for sure. 
and put him in handcuffs and take him off the jail? Where's the police report against? Jen's watching Phil. Where's the this felony charge against? Phil Spector looks like my old landlady. <laughs> is a felony. Misdemeanor at least, and you get taken off to jail. And yeah. in any case, were any of them yeah, that, that there was a wound inflicted upon them? There's no ambulance, uh-huh. no paramedic report, yep. and there's no hospital report. It's all pure and simple bullshit. Yeah. That's what it is. Bullshit. Here, if these people are in it for the money, which I know they are, uh-huh. here's how they can make some money. Okay. Here's a check for $100,000. Give it to me. Phil, baby. That have come forth at the grand jury, Dorothy Melvin... Uh, or Di- Diane Ogden or any of them. Can any I of them. get $100,000 right now? All I got to do is pass a polygraph test. That's it. That Bruce Cutler will give them a polygraph test mm-hmm. and they can earn $100,000 if they His can hands pass. are shaking. He can't Science even hold the check right. I, and that's, well, you know, Jen, good point. Thanks, Phil, for stopping there. Um, but that was another point that they made. So Phil Spector was on a medication, I believe, for Parkinson's. Um, he was he was on some kind of medication or had a condition, and he was always very shaky. So he was like, I wouldn't have even been able to hold the gun long enough to shoot somebody, um, so on and so forth. But So with that audio clip you just heard, that kind of plays back to what we were talking about before. So the women that he was naming were the people who were allowed to testify about these incidents and, you know, essentially saying that, And now this is in no way victim shaming because a lot of people don't come forward for whatever reason, retaliation or like, oh, well, it's a rich white man and nothing's going to happen and I'm a woman or whatever it may be. Like this does happen and it's really fucked up. Thanks, Jeffrey Epstein. I'm listen, Jeff is away right now. Um, (laughs) He died somehow. Um, (laughs) We'll leave that up to the listeners. Yes. Whatever you think. Um, but yeah, so he was, you know, going on record saying, listen, if anybody wants to take a polygraph test, I will give them, you know, a check for a hundred thousand dollars, you know, to prove that whatever story they were telling was true involving him. Um, so he was a very interesting guy, but you see, the thing is about like that video, these are the things that really didn't help his case because he was releasing this from his home. Um, his mm-hmm. wife was filming, and putting them out while the trial was happening. So it only, you know, I mean, while any person would be like, well, no, I'm going to say that I'm fucking innocent and that I have like, you know, believe this, believe me, no matter who you are, for him, because I mean, you look at it and you're like, oh, you know, he looks like, wait, who did you say he looked like? Your old landlady. My old landlady. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, you know, and it's funny, but there are even things like that where you're just like, Oh, God, this person's such a character, and now they look even fucking more crazy. Like I said, like, he's holding that check and holding (laughs) it up to the camera, and he can't even keep it straight. Like, you can't even read what it says because he's shaking. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, good for him for calling these people out and saying, like, okay, if you're really speaking the truth, take a polygraph. I'll pay you to do it. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. He's calling it out. That's something I would have done. I know. Well, I would have done the same thing. Yeah. I mean, especially. Only my check would be for like $10. Anyone listen. I would probably be for like 25 cents. <laughs> Me too, Jen. It's all right. I'd be like, anybody listening, I have a check here for a whole quarter. <laughs> Jen and I split it. No, exactly. <laughs> 
it just seems like before he like before this even happened he like was spiraling downward you know like yeah um you know there are a lot of articles about him to like where you know people are like oh you know He's a recluse and, you know, he's this and that. And it also doesn't help that like mental health like wasn't a thing then. Absolutely. Because as my therapist would always say, they definitely have something. I just would love to sit down with them and diagnose them. <laughs> they, they definitely have something. All right. So, I mean, like here are some interesting facts from the findings um, during the trial of, you know, uh, I guess murder evidence. So, um, in the opening statement, a lawyer for Spectre said that DNA was found on the tops of bullets where you would like load the gun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like it matched the DNA of Clarkson and there was more DNA that was found on the bullet, but it didn't even match Phil Spectre's. Sorry about that. That's okay. God bless you. Thanks. Satan bless. Thanks, Satan. Um, so that's like a little interesting thing. Um, the defense argued because uh, on, you know, when they do an analysis, they look at the clothing to see, you know, of course, like the blood spatter and everything else. But the jacket that she was wearing, um, the buttons on her blazer, they were covered in brain tissue matter, implying that her hands were very close to her face when the gun went off. So that's a little odd. Do they mean like the buttons on like the sleeve? Yeah. So okay. I have uh, I have crime scene photos that I pulled from murderpedia.org or .net. Um, but they have photos of the buttons on her blazer. And one of the buttons in the middle is visibly covered in what looks like blood and you know some sort of tissue that had dried. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, and that is like, you're like, oh, wow. Well, she probably did do it. But... I mean, that could be a defensive thing, like trying to get the gun away from your mouth. I mean, honestly, he was such a petite little man. She could have probably kicked him in the fucking nuts and he would have fallen faster than, you know. I feel like I could beat him up. I I feel like I could win a fight with Phil Spector. I feel like you could with one arm behind your back, Jen. He's also like, he's blindfolded. And blindfolded. Yeah. My God. He was wearing a wig for God's sake. I want to hear more about these wigs. Okay. So, Mark, can you go into some detail about the history, the chronology of Phil Spector's hair wigs? Well, I mean, like, in every interview that I've seen of him, he's wearing, like, different wigs. So, sometimes he has, like, a wig that looks like the Bruno hair. So, it's, like, that side swoop, like, blonde bang. And then um, his most, you know, his infamous wig was uh, at his trial... He ended up wearing this, like, Afro wig that Uh was very large. However, in an interview, he mentioned that he was playing an homage to, what, the different soul singers and a a basketball player? Yes, and uh, to Beethoven, I believe. And to Beethoven, yeah. So he was kind of doing this, like, collage homage so like he was trying to like make like some sort of artistic statement while he was on trial trial. and (laughs) what a time to do it i know he just really marched to the beat of his own well and like you know i think people like us we get it we understand and it makes sense but it i think it really worked against him full force and even i remember like his lawyers were like what the hell are you doing like don't do this they told him they were like listen you need to simmer down the 
Simadonna. They were like, you need to stop with all the different hair. But there was one interview where he was like, oh, well, my my wig wasn't even that big. It was just the angle and the lighting. And it's one picture. There's over 500 photos of me from that trial. But this (laughs) one picture is the one they used. (laughs) And, you know, funny thing. Okay, so and as a side note to that, he's not lying because my aunt, who did like two jazz albums back in the day, um, there was a cover of her. And her hair looked exactly like Phil Spector's hair. And I swear to you, I swear to God, I'm going to show you afterwards, Jen. But on this album, and I remember talking to my aunt about it, and she was like, oh, that was because of the flash and the lighting. Mm. She was like, I'm not surprised because, like, you pull up my mom's, like, high school yearbook mm-hmm. and see those types of hairstyles. Oh, yeah. Like, they, were, they were illuminated. Any mm-hmm. light source can make it look bigger. And I mean... You know, at the end of the day, regardless, you're a weird, eccentric dude, whatever you're doing your own thing, it's fine. You know, it doesn't make you a murderer. So from this same uh, documentary, I'm going to play everybody another little clip here. Um, This is from The Agony and Ecstasy of Phil Spector, courtesy of the BBC. Jen, you know the BBC. You lived in England. I sure did. I know. only thing that kind of concerns me about the jury trial and getting through it is the verdict. And this is him talking about his trial. And he looks like a cracked out beetle. (laughs) He's got like the beetle mop hat. And Philly, we have a jury questionnaire that they filled out. And 45% of them wrote down they believed I was guilty. And 20% of them wrote down I was insane. Based upon their pre-trial publicity over the last four years. Now, true, a lot of these people could have been trying to get off the jury because they couldn't plead hardship. Mm. The judge was very hard on them as far as hardship. He said, I'm not going to excuse any of you sons of bitches on hardship. So they could have written that down as bullshit. But they wrote that down. We believe Mr. Spector is guilty. 45% of them wrote that down. And another 20% thought he's insane. So that's a perfect clip for what we were just talking about because it's kind of going back to preconceived ideas, right? Mm -hmm. People had already made up their mind about him. You know, he's crazy. Um, We think he's guilty. I wish I could have got that guy some help. He just needs some help. I know. Someone to talk to. I know. Someone to chat with, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Phone a friend. Phone a friend. Phil Spector edition. (laughs) Doom, doom, doom. Um, that was a sound effect. It wasn't the board. It was me. You're welcome. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would encourage anyone to look this story up. I mean, you know, find your own idea what what you believe happened. Um, well, what was the outcome of the trial? The outcome of the trial, um, I believe at first... Um, it was God. It wasn't a hung jury. It was what is the other name? They just uh, couldn't. It was it like fifty fifty. Yeah, or there wasn't an, like a yeah it, enough evidence it, or what do they say? Guilty with reasonable doubt. I don't know. No, that would no, that's okay. But um, but basically, they needed to do a retrial mm-hmm. because the first time they could not determine him guilty or it was a hung jury or whatever, but. Um, the second time around, 
He was convicted of second degree manslaughter, I believe was his charge, uh, with a term of 20 years to life. Mm. Phil Spector is currently serving out his sentence in the health unit um, at a California state oh, God, prison. I'm glad. I know. I know. I hope he's doing well. I hope he's producing some great melodies yeah. still. Um, but, you know, it's a really fucked up story. It is. Because regardless, you know, the way the system is supposed to work here in America is, um, what is it called? You know, uh Innocent, innocent until proven until guilty, until proven guilty mm-hmm. or beyond a reasonable doubt. And I think this story truly has plenty of reasonable doubt. Um, you know, I mean, listen, it's very likely that he could have done this, but I think it's very likely that he could not have. And I mean, coming from a perspective of just a regular person, I mean, I wouldn't be able to be like, this guy is guilty. Yeah, I don't believe he's not guilty, but I don't believe he's guilty. And in that case, you have to say, then they just have to be innocent right? at that point. Because you can't be like, well, maybe, maybe not. Go to jail. Well, can we say what my favorite Phil Spector quote is? Absolutely. Mark is going to grace you with his favorite Phil Spector quote. So there's this one interview with Phil, and he was talking about different musical geniuses, and he says something along the lines of, there's like two known musical geniuses in history. Mm-hmm. One is Beethoven, mm-hmm. and the other one is me, Phil Spector. <laughs> it's very much a Mark quote. And I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. Well, he kind of he does act a little bit like me, which I can understand. And Beethoven um, was pretty neurotic. Yeah. yeah. So he's he's still serving out his time, and he was proven guilty. Yes, so mm-hmm. he was proven guilty, or at least was convicted of manslaughter, uh, which you know isn't, I guess, the uh, most serious offense, which is you know planning to kill someone. Um, but I don't know. In my opinion, I just think it's odd. I, you know, he could have done it, but it just seems very odd to pick up someone that you've never met. Um, you know, regardless of having a weird neurotic personality or not. And then just suddenly one day at the age of 70 something years old, you decide to kill someone just because, right. You know? And, um, yeah, I think regardless, you know, could be guilty, might not be guilty, but I think it does have the markers of a witch trial, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, the same types of things. It kind of reminds me of the story in, um, was it Georgia or Alabama? Corpsewood Manor. Yeah. Where, like, the two guys, they lived eccentrically, and because mm-hmm. of that, they kind of had targets on their back. Yes. And I think it's the same thing with, with Phil Spector. And, and much like you said, it was a few years after the O.J. Simpson trial, and I think that the media and just people in general were like, these celebrities, these people with money can't get away with murder all the time. Yeah. And they... They kind of forced that upon Phil Spector. Yeah. And um, they were like, we're going to make an example of him and and show that the justice system really is justicey. Yeah. But and when they do things like that, they it, you, you're robbed of a fair trial. Yeah. Ultimately. And, and it's not how the system is supposed to work. Right. And you're wrecking the rest of an old person's life or any person's life. Like, I don't think he did it. I think he was an asshole, probably, to a lot of people. Yeah. And, you know, maybe definitely unethical. Yeah. And eccentric. 
But I really don't think he he killed this woman on purpose. I think she accidentally shot herself just based on the blood splatter evidence alone. Mm -hmm. And there's really not much of a motive. Yeah, there was no motive, really. And I mean, out of all of the people that he knew and saw that night for just this one random person out of nowhere. Right. I don't know. It seems not likely, in my opinion. But yeah, that's the story. That is an abridged, is that the term, Jen? It is abridged. Abridged for, thank you, Jen. <laughs> if you want the unabridged version. Yeah, if you want the unabridged version, well, go fuck yourself. <laughs> You're not getting it here. This isn't last podcast on the left. We don't got five hours. <laughs> we all have full-time jobs. We all work jobs. here. We do. Jobs Jen has two, jobs. three jobs. I have a job. Mark has a job. Our dog has a job. Well, anyway. Oh, you're all so kind. This is filmed. This this was filmed in front of a live studio audience with Mary Kate and Ashley. All right, guys. Well, that's the Phil Spector slash Alana Clarkson story. Um, You know, don't make someone who wears wigs guilty of murder. It's not fair. No. It's not fair. No. Do you guys have anything you'd like to add to this? You should follow us on our social media. Absolutely. And uh, we have an Instagram account. It's Bizarre Buffet. And we have a Facebook account, Bizarre Buffet. No space. No space at all. (laughs) Fuck spaces. What do you need them for? You don't need them. That's Mm -mm. why. All right, everybody. Well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Have a great night, day, afternoon, wherever you are. Wherever the fuck you are and wear wear a goddamn mask. mask. So help me God. Wear your mask. Wear your fucking mask. Wear your fucking mask. Cover your face. God damn it. See you next week. See you next time.